This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Wednesday afternoon. I'm Angela Cocott. It is the final stop on our patio tour. Where has the summer gone? We are spending the afternoon at Chibo's. 17th Avenue and kind of by the 9th Street intersection and even though I'm saying Chibos it's C-I-B-O but a really neat patio here and actually uh, what they're quite proud of is their happy hour. Every day from 3 to 5 uh, they've got great deals on pizza we're going to try some a little later but uh, yeah this is where we're going to be spending our final stop on our patio tour and it's a beautiful afternoon so hopefully you can stop by and say hi. It is a beautiful afternoon here Not so when you look at what's happening in Texas, Louisiana. Of course, we've been talking about, well, from Hurricane Harvey, Tropical Storm Harvey, a massive disaster. We've got thousands of people who have been flooded out of their homes um, looking for rescues. And this isn't the first such disaster we've talked about. Even Hurricane Katrina, that was back in 2005, probably the costliest natural disaster in the U.S., there's estimates anywhere between 100 billion, 125 billion. We can look here in Alberta, Fort McMurray fire, our flooding in Calgary, natural disasters and how we respond to them. That's what we're talking about this half hour. I want to bring in Anna Nagurney. She is a John F. Smith Memorial Professor of Operations Management, University of Massachusetts Amherst. She joins us today. Hello, Professor Nagurney. Hello, Angela. Great to be speaking with you this afternoon. And and this is a, a great way of looking at natural disasters, not taking away what's happening currently in Texas and Louisiana, but you have had a chance to kind of step back and look at how we respond to disasters, and that's why I thought it was so interesting that I wanted to get you on. And you're saying we've got to start treating natural disasters, especially when it comes to the first responders, the the Red Crosses, all the different organizations that step up to the plate, we've got to start looking at them and treating them more with a, a game theory in mind. And I know I've got listeners saying, a game theory? What are you talking about? Anna, can you explain? Oh, of course. Uh, I'm actually, uh, my profession is that of operations research. What I do is I develop mathematical and computer-based models and algorithms to help people, especially in societal kinds of problems. And we've been doing a lot of research uh, in terms of disaster management and trying to help various organizations to respond better and all actually the four phases of disaster management that has to do with mitigation, that has to do with preparedness, response, which we're seeing now uh, post-Hurricane Harvey, which is still going on, and also in terms of reconstruction. So what I do is uh, I emphasize kind of how do these organizations behave, how do they interact, what are their various objectives, okay? Uh, When it comes to various NGOs, like you mentioned, the Red Cross, Salvation Army, and so forth, uh, they're not profit maximizers. These are not corporations. They're supposed to be helping people, but at the same time, they rely for the very existence on financial donations. So it's very, very interesting to see how we construct, for example, their objective functions, what kind of constraints are they dealing with, uh, and then we develop mathematical models and we solve them. 
Okay, so when it comes to game theory, there are different kinds of game theory models. There are those where we study competition, and you think of the very famous Nobel laureate in economics, John Nash, for example. We study essentially Nash equilibrium concepts. And uh, we then try and predict, for example, what would be, say, the optimal logistical flows, uh, how much money do these humanitarian organizations stand to gain, and so forth is really, really interesting, but when it comes to disaster relief, they shouldn't all be competing. And they're competing for financial funds, but at the same time, they should be cooperating. And that's what our research is showing. That's extremely important to impose better coordination and cooperation mechanisms so we get the right relief items going to the right destinations in the right volumes. Because otherwise you get like too much congestion. Uh, you get the wrong supplies being delivered uh, to the wrong places. And uh, the victims suffer afterwards as well. And that's just a really, really bad situation. So it's very, very important to be able to plan appropriately and to predict the kinds of needs, you know, the different freight services and so on, uh, to have effective uh, disaster response and ultimately recovery and reconstruction. Very, very challenging, but we work with a lot of students. We have international collaborators. And this is a great passion of ours because, as you were saying, the number of disasters is growing as well as the number of people affected by them. And, you know, the other common thread is no matter where that disaster, we know that there is a huge public response. And as I said, we, we had a, a, a massive flood here in our city. We've had a massive fire in Fort McMurray. And we see it time and time again, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing it with Hurricane Harvey as well. People see the images, hear the heartbreak, and right away they are sending blankets or food. And so is this where you talk about we've got to get these organizations to coordinate to ensure that each time there's a disaster, we're not having to see the same thing where we will see warehouses of wasted stuff or that the, the victims didn't need. So is that part of that bigger coordination effort you're talking about? Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Post-Hurricane Katrina, there were tuxedos being delivered to the victims. Who needs that? Post the Fukushima triple disaster in Japan in March 2011, there were bicycles being delivered. Who needed bicycles? Mm -hmm. And lots of extraneous blankets, and it was very, very hot there. Okay, so it's really important to have the right supplies delivered to the correct locations in the volumes that are needed. And a lot of times, uh, humanitarian relief organizations uh, they depend on their financial donations based on their visibility, okay? Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, people respond in the media, okay? Our yeah. hearts go out to the victims, so you want to do something, you want to give, and so forth. So uh, they may be delivering supplies where it's easier to deliver supplies, okay? But the logistical challenges might be much, much bigger where they're actually more needed, Okay, so that's something really, really important. So we've developed these models to show, okay, what are the minimum amounts that you need? And also, because of wastage, what are the maximum amounts? And mm -hmm. these have to be coordinated. Okay, otherwise, you get too many bottles of water going someplace. You don't need them, and others need water. Okay, you don't have the right medicines going to the victims in the right locations and so on. And so I want to take a break very, here. Very 
Yeah, I want to take a break here because you talk about the different models. And as I try to wrap my head around this game theory, I can understand the, the competition side in a game theory. I've got to understand the coordination side and how we actually roll this out, especially when we have so many NGOs that seem to come out of everywhere when there is a disaster. My guest this half hour is Anna Nagarni. She is a professor, John F. Smith Memorial Operations Research, University of Massachusetts Amherst. We're back after this. Taking a different perspective of how we respond to natural disasters. Of course, right now, the immediate disaster is what Harvey is wreaking in Texas, Louisiana. But we have not been immune to our own disasters. Anna Nagurney is a professor, John F. Smith Memorial Operations Research, University of Massachusetts Amherst. And Anna is talking about maybe applying a game theory when it comes to all these different non-government organizations who come to try to be of assistance. And sometimes they fail miserably. Anna, so when you're before the break, you were talking about the, the game theory and having these, I, I mean, how many NGOs are there when they respond to some of these big disasters? We're talking hundreds of NGOs, aren't we? Actually, after the Haiti 2010 earthquake, within three weeks, there were over 1,000 NGOs operating. <sighs> See, my thing is, is I think we should trim that down. Can, can we not even <laughs> make sure that we're only dealing with four or five? But, uh, okay, that's maybe part of that coordination as well. But so when we talk about that game theory, and you said, I can understand if I'm in a game, it's all about competition, and I want to be able to raise the most donations, get the most financial assistance. But you also said in game theory, we're, we're looking at how we have a, a coordination or co cooperation. Can you explain that? Yes, exactly. Um, there are different kinds of game theory models, and the, the important thing about game theory, you have to realize uh, we live in a world we don't just have like one person controlling everything. You know, it's not a centralized kind of regime anymore. It's really a decentralized one where you have many kind of interacting agents, you have many interacting stakeholders. So uh, to do like a single optimization problem might be very, very large, but it still is fairly easy. The thing is you have to capture the interactions among decision makers, and that's why we need game theory, because the fact of the matter is there are many NGOs trying to get to these disaster relief sites. They're competing for these financial donations. At the same time, they're trying to deliver, uh, using their logistical assets, the relief items. So. Uh, the methodology that we use for that is known as game theory. And it's very, very effective. And it, at the same time, uh, the applications in disaster relief are also pushing the methodological advances in game theory, which I find really, really neat. Okay, because uh, important problems demand like more advanced kind of theories and methodological tools. And they're all computer-based. That's extremely, extremely important. You can't solve these in your head, okay? You can't solve them with pencil and paper. You need effective algorithms to solve these problems. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to be needing more and more of these tools as the number of disasters increases. And also the complexity of disasters that we're seeing with Hurricane Harvey is uh, at a level we've never experienced before in the U.S. So yeah, yeah. You, you sit there as a researcher then, operations research, and, and you work on these theories. Have we seen them in practice yet? Have have you been able to say, let's see uh, how the NGA, NGOs are going to respond to even your theory? Well, 
our theories are fairly new. We're about the first to be using game <laughs> theory. Okay, because yeah. they were just struggling with optimization. This is our latest papers are only about a year old. So we're talking to a lot of NGOs. We've done actually a blood supply chain models, uh, working with the Red Cross and so on. And we're using real data, okay, based on FEMA and so forth. And also what we do is we organize international conferences. Uh, we have a book on dynamics of disasters that has contributors from the United Nations, from all sorts of disaster relief organizations as well. We had our most recent conference in Greece this past summer, and we'll be having a book coming out. And my collaborators on that happen to be one professor in Canada, Professor Elias Kosirius from the University of Waterloo, and a professor from the University of Florida, Professor Panos M. Pardalos. So we're really taking a kind of an international perspective to these. Well, then I'm curious. The information with NGOs. It's going to take time yeah. because uh, they are usually resource challenged in, in terms of financial challenges. But this past summer, for example, I was at the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study at Harvard, and there I spoke with colleagues at the Harvard Humanitarian Initiative. So uh, uh, we're willing well, to help and... Um, and I'm just curious, though, especially when it comes to talking with NGOs about this idea, because I think, fine, if you talk to other researchers, they're probably going to say, yeah, this is great. But but NGOs, as we say, there can be hundreds or thousands responding to any kind of a disaster, and they're competitive in themselves. How, how have they reacted to even that idea of having to compete for funds to coordinate efforts so that we're not seeing such waste when it comes to some of these disasters. Okay, what our research is showing is there's actually a win-win situation by doing effective coordination, okay, yeah. and making sure you have the right amount of supplies, not too many or not too few, getting to the right distribution points, for example. They can also gain in terms of financial donations. And I right. think that's really, really important. So it's a win-win situation, okay? The victims benefit, and at the same time, the disaster relief organizations also can benefit financially. Now, I know you're a researcher, but I want you to explain the, the two scenarios that you kind of ran through when it came to this game theory, just so my listeners have an idea of how you were looking at the way we could change our response to disasters. Okay, sure. My pleasure, Angela. Think about the following situation. Uh, you have no uh, lower bounds or no upper bounds for the number of water bottles you need at a certain destination. Okay. And there's a call for, okay, we need water. Our victims are suffering. Uh, we don't have enough water. And these NGOs will be delivering maybe an excess amount of water to places where it's easy to deliver water. Okay? Because mm -hmm. it's very visible. Okay? Their yeah. logistical costs go down. At the same time, they're not delivering where the water bottles are really needed because you have logistical challenges. Huh. So you get an oversupply at points of where you don't have the demand, okay, because it's totally uncoordinated. However, right. they're getting the media visibility. The TV crews are out there. The radio crews are there. You see the yeah. photos. Everyone reacts and so forth. But it's easy. Okay? Yes. So, and they're competing for the financial funds. So what we have shown is if you actually impose, okay, we don't need more than a certain volume here, 
a minimum. Mm -hmm. However, you will also have a maximum and a different distribution point. So things go different like the shelter, for example, uh, post-Hurricane Harvey. Okay, then we show you get the right amount. You don't get an oversupply. Okay, you don't get the wastage. Right. Some yeah. of their costs might go up, but their financial donations will actually go up typically because they're doing a better job of helping the victims. Okay, it's really, really yeah. interesting. Okay, do yeah. a lot of work also in paradoxes and so on. But this is really, really needed. Okay, and it'll be needed more and more. Well, and especially if you even talked with FEMA, I mean, I'd like to think that FEMA wants to hear your research just to see how they can better respond and make sure that uh, the dollars are going to the right areas, the supplies that they are actually bringing in are needed, and there isn't the waste. So I'm glad we had a chance to talk to you, and it'll be interesting to see how this rolls out down the road. Obviously, it's not going to change things in the immediate future, but as you say, if you can keep beating that drum and making sure that we just rethink the way we respond i'd like to think that you're going to have some success down the road thank you very much angela very much appreciate the opportunity you bet anna nagurney she is a professor john f smith memorial operations research university of massachusetts amherst 403-974-8255 i didn't really want to open up the phones because i just wanted this as a, a conversation because yeah we've got hurricane harvey this time we've had the floods we've got the fires in bc we know that we are seeing natural disasters and when natural disasters hit and we read the headlines and see the footage, we open up our wallets. But we definitely saw a lot of criticism at Fort McMurray when uh, the Red Cross was able to collect so much money and governments were matching those donations. But then people were saying, were those donations put to the best use? So Anna Nagurney uh, giving us her perspective. After the break, I need you to weigh in on this one because it came out of Ontario and it shouldn't be a surprise to you, but Ontario police are saying distracted driving is now worse than the fatalities caused by speeding and drunk driving. I'm going to talk with uh, an officer out of our Calgary Police Traffic Division just to get his response to it. 403-974-8255. Wow, we have talked about beating a drum. I've beat the drum on this one for a long time. And even yesterday, I still got someone texting saying, oh my gosh, I'm just seeing someone texting and driving. Is nothing changing? 403-974-8255. Your calls and texts, will share those after the news. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.